We serve an awesome God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you in Christ's name, thanking you for this opportunity we have at the start of 2021 to lift up our voices to you, to study your word together, and to prepare ourselves to do your work this year. Lord, thank you for bringing us through this very difficult year of 2020. God, I can't even begin to say the the difficulties that each of us dealt with, but you know them inside and out. And Lord, we believe that you didn't allow any of those difficulties to escape your notice. You understand it all. You knew about it all. And Lord, you were preparing us for something important and special in this new year. Thank you, God, for bringing us through this challenging year and bringing us to the start of this new one. We pray that you would be honored and glorified in this service and in our lives as we follow and serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, we are so glad that you've joined us today. We're going to be diving into God's Word in just a few moments, but did want to let you know about a few important announcements. Uh, first of all, I'm excited about next Sunday for a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, I'll be launching a brand new message series on the Sermon on the Mount. We'll be diving into Matthew chapters 5 through 7, the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher this earth has ever seen. Jesus Christ's Sermon on the Mount is so powerful and so practical. The first few months of this year, uh, we'll be diving into that Sermon on the Mount, and you're going to love it. That begins next Sunday on Sunday, January 10th. You won't want to miss it. It'll be online at 10 a.m. and a part of our in-person services as, as well at 9 a.m. So look forward to that next week. Also, right after next week's service, uh, we'll be heading over to the Victorville Warming Shelter uh, next door to our George Boulevard facility. That warming shelter is uh, taking place at the West Wind Sports Center right there on George Boulevard. And we'll be going over and leading an 11 a.m. service for them, uh, for uh, all of their guests at the warming shelter. So I'm excited about that. Patrick and I will be putting a team of volunteers together. If you would like to be a part of that, please let us know. It's a wonderful volunteer opportunity. If you want to help with hospitality, with music, uh, with food service, any of that, let us know. And there also are other opportunities to serve at the warming shelter uh, throughout the week. Uh, reach out to us at the church office uh, if you'd like to find out more. Uh, finally, we do want to thank all of you who have been giving faithfully to the work of Impact Christian Church. Your faithful giving has allowed us to finish this last year strong and have a great, strong start to 2021. Thank you for your continued giving. Uh, remember, you can give in any of three ways, whichever one you prefer. You could write a check and mail it to our P.O. Box number. Uh, you can give at our website, greaterimpact.cc, or you can text any amount to 84 Three, two, one. Thank you so much for your faithful ties and offerings that support the work of Impact Christian Church. And with that, let's go ahead and get out our Bibles and dive into God's Word together. Some of you have heard me uh, share the story about the dairy farmer who decided to buy a new pickup truck one day. He had seen an ad in the paper about discounts and factory rebates, so he went down to the dealership, picked out the truck that he wanted, and he started to write that check for the full amount of that vehicle. But the salesman stopped him and he said, wait a minute, I didn't give you the total price yet. The total price, said the dairy farmer, I thought it was the advertised price that I saw in the newspaper ad. 
And the salesman said, oh, no, that is the base price. All the options cost extra. And so that salesman added up all the options, and that dairy farmer reluctantly wrote a check for $2,000 more than he had planned on spending. And he drove off the lot in his new truck. Well, a few months passed, and that dairy farmer received a phone call from that car salesman. Turns out the car salesman's son was in 4-H. He needed a new dairy cow, and the farmer assured him over the phone, I have plenty of dairy cows for $500. So the salesman comes out to the dairy farm, picks out his cow, pulls out his checkbook, and is about to write that check, and the dairy farmer says, wait a minute. I didn't give you the total price yet. The salesman was surprised. I thought the cow was $500, and the farmer, of course, responded, oh, no. That is for the base model. And he proceeded to hand the salesman an invoice with the total price accounted for. And here's what that invoice said. Basic cow, $500. Two-tone exterior, $45. Milk storage compartment, $60. Four handy spigots at $10 each, $40. Leather upholstery, $125. Automatic rear fly swatter, $38. Natural fertilizer attachment, $185. Grand total, $1,233. (laughs) Now, I have an important question to ask you. It's a fun question. You might think it's insulting, but it's not meant to insult you. It's just meant to be a thought-provoking question. Here it is. If you were a cow on Farmer John's dairy farm, what kind of cow would you be? Now, what kind of question is that, you might ask? Well, it's the reason I ask that question. You see, many Christians have a very low view of themselves. They think they are pretty ugly when all is said and done. Some Christians, if they were a cow, they would figure they would look like this. Or perhaps they would look like this. They think they would be pretty darn ugly. On the other hand, there are many other Christians out there who are on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, They think they're God's gift to whichever room they enter. Uh, They think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. They figure if they were a cow, they would look like this. Or perhaps like this. Those are some good-looking cows, aren't they? (laughs) But what is the truth? Well, let me ask you again. If you were a cow, what kind of cow would you be? Would you be a base model? Or would you be the the top-of-the-line, limited-edition all the whistles and bells type of cow. The biblical truth is, if you were a cow, you would be somewhere in the middle. And so would I. You see, God did not make you as a base model. And although you are a limited edition, you are not God's greatest gift to the world either. That distinct honor has already been given to Jesus Christ. This morning, at the start of this new year, I believe that God wants to transform the way that you and I view ourselves. I believe that he's calling some of us to stop thinking so little of ourselves and step up to our God-given calling. And others of us, I believe, he'll be knocking off of our high horse 
whittling us down to size a bit and calling us to roll up our sleeves and get back to work. I'm calling today's message for such a time as this. Please take out your Bibles and open to Acts chapter 17. Acts is the fifth book in our New Testament. Acts chapter 17, verse 26, as I mentioned earlier, I also encourage you to have a piece of paper and a pen handy to jot down some notes. It'll help you glean more from this important message today. This morning, we're going to focus on three important Bible verses. Two of these are in the New Testament book of Acts, and then the third is going to be back in the Old Testament, a book of Esther. And so I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of turning back and forth in your Bibles today, uh, but it's really important that you do that with me. I want you to see for yourself what God's Word is teaching us. Once again, it's a really important and good Word for us today. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 17. Our first key verse for today will be Acts chapter 17, verse 26, and it goes like this. From one man, God made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. One more time, Acts 17, 26. From one man, God made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Now, please turn back a few pages in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 13. should be five or six pages to the left. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. And if possible, hold your spot there in Acts 17 as you're turning back to Acts 13. Acts 13, verse 36, it reads like this. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. One more time. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Now, if possible, hold your finger in both of those spots in Acts and flip back with me to the book of Esther in the Old Testament. The easiest and quickest way to get to the book of Esther is to turn to the middle of your Bible. When you do that, you should be in the book of Psalms and turn back about 50 pages and you should hit the book of Esther. It's two short books before the book of Psalms. So I'm going to turn there myself. Esther, we're going to be in chapter 4, looking at verse 14. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Esther 4, verse 14. Here's what we read in this great verse. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. One more time. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Let's take a closer look at each of these three great verses today and see what good word the Lord has for us. I want you to turn back to that first verse we looked at in Acts chapter 17. Once again, it's Acts 17, 26, where we read, 
From one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Here in Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with a really tough crowd. At the time, Paul was in the Greek city of Athens, and he was in an area known as the Areopagus Council, sometimes uh, pronounced the uh, Areopagus Council, but more correct would be the Areopagus Council. Now, this was a council that was more of a think tank. Uh, all of the, the best and the brightest, all of the college professors, all of the high-level religious leaders would come together at the Areopagus Council, and they would do nothing other than discuss the latest ideas in philosophy and religion. And here at the place where the Areopagus uh, Council would meet uh, was this uh, area that was filled with idols, and every god uh, that the Greeks had ever dreamed up uh, had an image and an idol uh, that represented that particular god. And, and, and they didn't want to miss any gods in case they had forgotten one. They even had an altar to the unknown god. And so as Paul was looking around at all these idols in the Areopagus Council's meeting area, he saw that altar to the unknown god and he said to himself, Aha! This is an opportunity to teach them about the one true God, Yahweh, creator of heaven and earth. And so Paul begins to speak to that Areopagus council about the unknown God, about the one true God, Yahweh. He proclaimed him as creator of heaven and earth. And in verse 25, Paul emphasized that Yahweh made every nation of men on earth. And God determined both the times and the places where each of those individuals should live. So I want you to chew on this truth from God's word for a moment. Every nation on earth has been established by God. Every nation on earth. So let me ask you, has God established your favorite country, the United States of America? Has he established your favorite country? The answer is yes, absolutely he has. But it's just as true that God has also established your least favorite countries. <laughs> God has established North Korea and Iran and China and Russia. Every nation, according to Acts 17.26, has been established by God. God determined long ago where the borders of these nations would be and the time frame within which these nations would exist. So what that means is just as the United States had a birthday, a day that it began, July 4th, 1776, God also has a day in mind when the nation of the United States will end. He has both a beginning and an ending in mind for every nation. No nation on earth will last forever, except that is for Israel. But this verse, Acts seventeen twenty six, doesn't just apply to nations, does it? It also applies to individuals. This verse reveals that God determined long ago both the time and the place where you would live. Now think about that. God has determined the time and the place where you would live. You might think that you were uh, brought to the high desert as an accident, that it was some sort of mistake that you're here, but it's no mistake. God brought you here. 
Or if you're watching this broadcast from some area outside of the high desert, God has brought you there just as surely as he has brought me here. You might think that you were born at the wrong time. Maybe you think you were born in the wrong century. You think, wow, it would have been so nice to live in the 19th century. Uh, It would have been nice to live during the, the days of Little House on the Prairie. And you think maybe it was a mistake that you were born when you were born. Maybe you think it would have been better if you had lived in a different decade. Maybe at least the 1950s. That sounds so nice compared to the decade we're living in right now. But it's no mistake that you are the age that you are living at the time that you are living. Right here in 2021. It's no mistake. God chose the perfect time for you to live. I want you to internalize that truth from God's word. Maybe even close your eyes and think about it. God determined the perfect place and time for me to live. I am here today because God wants me here today. What a marvelous insight. What a marvelous insight. As we consider Acts 17, 26, here's the main insight that I want you to grasp. I'm going to call it today insight number one. God placed you here at this time and this place for a reason. God placed you here at this time and place for a reason. Imagine that being in in Victorville is not an accident. God isn't up there in in heaven saying, oh, shoot, man, I I meant to to put Dane in Newport Beach and I accidentally dropped him off in Victorville. I guess I got distracted on my way back from Vegas. No, God's not saying that. Ladies, he's not saying, well, shoot, I meant to send her to Honolulu and accidentally sent her to Atalanto. God's not saying that, ladies. You are exactly where God wants you to be at the time he wants you to be there. God has not made any mistakes with you. He placed you here at this time in this place for a reason. Now turn back a few pages to our second passage, Acts chapter 13, verse 36. Once again, it reads, For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. Remember, in the New Testament, fall asleep is a nice way of saying he died. So in other words, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he died. David was born in the city of Bethlehem in the 11th century BC, more than 1,000 years before Christ was born. And guess what? That's the exact time and the exact place when God wanted David to be born. Because God had a plan for David's life, God had a purpose for David's life. God orchestrated the chain of events that led to David being born on the day he was born into the family he was born into. God gave him a clear purpose to carry out in his own generation. And guess what? David carried it out. He carried it out. David served God's purpose in his own generation. I don't know about you, but when I read those words, man, they just resonate in my spirit. Uh, Man, I I want to be a one uh, like David who serves God's purpose in my own generation. Like David, God had called David to to slay Goliath, so David obediently slew Goliath. God had called David to serve in uh, King Saul's army, so David obediently served in King Saul's army. 
God called David to lead Israel in her battles, so David responded by leading Israel in her battles. God inspired David to write more than 75 psalms that would be placed in our Bibles to teach us about God and help us to worship God. And I am so thankful that David wrote those 75 plus psalms so that billions of people could be blessed by them and drawn closer to God by them over the past 3,000 years. Before David died and left this earth, he served God's purpose in his own generation. I love how Matthew Henry, a respected 17th century Bible scholar, offers some wonderful insights about this verse. He writes, David was a great blessing to the age wherein he lived. He was the servant of his generation, while many are the curse and plague and burden of their generation. Isn't that good? Isn't that a good word? In a day and age when most people were pretty much living for themselves, David was a servant of his own generation. Could the same be said about me? Could the same be said about you? Are you a servant in your own generation? In a day and age when most people are pretty much living for themselves, are we a great blessing to the age wherein we live? Are we servants of our generation? Matthew Henry goes on to write, We were not born for ourselves, but are members of communities to which we must study to be serviceable. If Matthew Henry lived today, he might say it this way, Your life is not about you. It's about others around you in our community. So find out how you can beat, uh, how, find out how you can be a servant to those around you and get to it. <laughs> what a good word. Find out how you can be a servant to your generation, to our generation and get to work. David didn't die until he had done that which God had created him to do. I love how devotional writer A.W. Tozer says it. He writes, David was smart enough to serve God and his generation before he fell asleep. To fall asleep before we have served our generation is nothing short of tragic. It is a moral calamity to die without having first labored to bless this world. Oh, that's a good word. Which leads us to insight number two. God has important work for you to do between here and heaven. Amen? God has important work for you to do between here and heaven. You are not a stock cow. <laughs> you might not have a high opinion of yourself, but the reality is, oh, God thinks the world of you. You're not a stock cow. You have some custom upgrades. You have a, a unique personality. A, you have distinct experiences and a particular set of skills that are ideally suited for what God has called you to do, where he has called you to do it. Make no mistake about it. God has called you to do something that is important. And God has called you to do something that is very meaningful. Which leads us to our third passage. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. Many of you remember the story of Esther. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. 500 years before Christ was born, Esther was a young Jewish girl living in the far-off land of Persia. She was orphaned at a young age. Evidently, both of her parents had died, and she was raised by her cousin Mordecai. 
And so Mordecai raised her and through a series of events that we know were directed by the hand of God, uh, she ends up becoming queen of Persia. And in chapter 3, the greatest racist in the land of Persia, a man by the name of Haman, tricked the king into making an edict that on the 13th day of the 12th month, every single Jew in the nation of Persia, every man, every woman, every child who was Jewish, could be legally murdered on the 13th day of the 12th month. When this edict was circulated throughout the kingdom, uh, Mordecai read that edict. And when he read it, he tore his clothes and he was just covered in tears. And he sent word to Esther, begging Esther to go into the king's presence and ask for the king's mercy on behalf of her people, the Jews. But Esther was scared. She didn't want to go into the king's presence because she knew that it was against Persian law for her to go into his presence without having first been summoned by him. It had been over a month since he had summoned her. She was just hanging out. I guess with the other concubines somewhere in the palace, she hadn't been summoned in. And so she was scared to barge into the king's throne room uninvited because according to Persian law, she could be killed on the spot if she became so uppity that she took it upon herself to enter his presence uninvited. So at first, Esther was more concerned about saving her own skin than she was about saving her Jewish family and neighbors whose heads were on the chopping block. So Mordecai sent Esther a message that now contains these famous words. These these are such beautiful words that Mordecai wrote to her. And that's our third key verse for today, right there in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. Mordecai said, If you remain silent at this time, Esther, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows what that you have come to royal position. For such a time as this. I really like what Pastor Tony Evans has to say about this great verse. He writes, Many people quote Mordecai's rebuke to Esther as a life verse representing power and and favor. You'll see shirts and hats and mugs and social media posts that proudly ring out for such a time as this. This phrase, what does it really mean? Well, this phrase actually refers to Esther being scolded for her self-indulgent, self-preserving mindset. Mordecai reproved Esther for living large and embracing royalty over righteousness, selfies over service. Through those telling words, he reminded her she had been chosen to set her own interests aside, let go of her own ambitions and face an enemy full on. She was to risk her life and her legacy with no guarantees of a positive outcome. That's the for such a time as this that Mordecai challenged Esther to accept. Well, Esther had to come to grips with some realities. She had to come to grips with the fact that everything she had learned and had experienced and had endured up to that point in time had prepared her for that pivotal moment. God had his hand on all of it. She was not in Persia by accident. She was not an orphan and needing to be raised by her cousin Mordecai by accident. Uh, She didn't have good looks by accident. God had given them to her. 
She wasn't queen by accident. God had placed her in the palace and God had done all of it to prepare her to serve God's purpose in her own generation. God had done all of it for such a time as this. Which leads us to insight number three. Everything you've learned and endured up till now has prepared you to serve Christ courageously in 2021. Did you catch that? Everything you've learned and endured up till now has prepared you to serve Christ courageously in 2021. Once again, Tony Evans says it really well. He writes, God has given each of us a job, position, resources, education, and more. He didn't place you or me where we are so we could eat Oreos all day long or post pictures on social media. He's placed us wherever we are because you and I are in the midst of a seismic conflict involving good versus evil. To miss a kingdom assignment because we've become too caught up in our own personal kingdom is one of the greatest tragedies we could ever face. An entire nation was grateful for how Esther responded to Mordecai's rebuke. Their lives were spared. How many souls can be spared in our culture today when we choose to step up to service, even if it involves sacrifice? Thank you, Tony Evans. That's a good word. That's a good word. So these are the three powerful insights that God has given us this morning. Number one, God placed you here at this time and place for a reason. Number two, God has important work for you to do between here and heaven. And number three, everything you've learned and endured up till now has prepared you to serve Christ courageously in 2021. One of the most common questions that Christians ask after hearing a message like this is, uh, Pastor, I understand what you're saying, but, but what is God's purpose for my life? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. God's purpose for your life as a general, in a general sense is the same as his purpose for my life. You see, God has called every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ to trust him, to love him, and to serve him. At Impact Christian Church, we like to say it this way, God has called us to love, learn, and serve. God's called us to love, learn, and serve. So that's his general purpose for you as it's his general purpose for me. But we still want to know God's specific plan for our life in 2021, don't we? Oh, well, you need to keep reading in God's word. And I encourage you to go to him in prayer. Go to him in prayer and say something like this. Oh God, I believe that you put me here for a reason. I believe, oh God, that you placed me at at this place, at, at this time for a purpose. And God, I want to carry out that purpose. Lord, I I pray that you would reveal to me what your plan is for me today, what your plan is for me this week. Lord, it'd be nice to know what you have in mind for next month or the rest of the year, but please just share with me today what you want me to do for you today. Help me to serve you. Help me to trust you. Help me to love you. 
Lord, I believe you brought me here for such a time as this. Show me what you want me to do and give me the courage to do it. You could pray a simple prayer like that. God, show me what you want and give me courage to say what you want me to say and do what you want me to do. I believe, God, that you have a great purpose for me. I don't have any aspirations of being a top-of-the-line Christian. I don't have any aspirations of being MVP in my church. I just want to be faithful and do what you've called me to do. I want to do, oh God, what you've called me to do in my own generation before you call me home. I want to do what you call me to do for such a time as this. I don't think that you brought me through 2020 for no reason. You allowed me to learn so much this past year through the difficulties I faced and through the losses I experienced. I believe, Lord, you did it to prepare me for this new year. So help me to be faithful and courageously walk in obedience to your marching orders for me. Oh, church, this I can say with certainty. All that we've learned and experienced and endured in 2020 has prepared us for even greater impact in 2021. That gets me really, really excited. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do come to you as humbly as we know how. Maybe some of us need to be physically on our knees right now. Lord, certainly we need to close our eyes and focus on you right now. Tune out whatever's around us and just focus on you and say, Oh God, I believe what you've said in your word to me today. I believe what you taught me in Acts 17, that you placed me at this location and at this time for a reason. I believe your word, that you have a purpose for me in my own generation before I die. And I believe that you've brought me here for such a time as this. Everything in the past has been preparation for what's to come. I believe it, O oh God. Help me. Help me to walk in obedience to your marching orders. Help me to walk courageously, carrying out your purpose for me, just like Esther did in her own generation, just like David did in his own generation. Just like Paul did in his own generation, help me, O oh God, to do what you've called me to do. Show me how to serve in the church that I call my home church. Show me, Lord, how to serve in my family and what your role is for me in my home. Show me, O oh God, what you want me to do at work and in my neighborhood and in my school. Show me, O oh God, and help me as I carry out your purpose for the good of others and the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Maybe church is kind of a new thing to some of you that are watching today. Maybe this message is bringing up some things you'd never thought of before. And that perhaps is because you've never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. If you've never done that, if you've never made a clear decision to follow him with your life, I want to invite you to go to him in prayer right now and simply just share this little ABC prayer with him. Oh, Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I have failed you. B, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. 
and see, I choose to follow you today as my Savior and my Lord. And I choose to make it clear to anyone that's watching, I'm serious about this decision by getting baptized in water as soon as I can. If you've made that decision to accept Christ today, please reach out to one of our prayer counselors. Their numbers are on the bottom of your screen. Give them a call or text right now. Let them know that you've decided to follow Christ. And we'd love to talk with you about setting up a time to get you baptized as soon as possible. This morning, we set up the baptistry at our, our, at our live service, at our in-person service at George Boulevard. We had some new attenders that wanted to get baptized. And we can set that up whenever you're ready. We can come to you or you can come to our office either way if you need to be baptized. And for those of you who uh, are already baptized believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we want to end this service by taking communion together and singing one final song together. So I invite you to have your bread and your juice handy. That bread, of course, represents Jesus's body that is broken for us as he hung on the cross. The juice represents Jesus's blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be in a relationship with God, so we could go to heaven. And Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death and my resurrection until I come back to take you home to be with me. So let's take of the bread in a worthy manner, asking God to forgive us for any of our sins. Let's take of the bread representing his body broken for us. And let's take of the juice representing his blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's take of the juice together. Lord Jesus, wash me clean. Prepare me for the rest of this day and the week to come. May I serve you faithfully in my own generation for the glory of God and the good of others. Amen. Let's lift up our voices together for this one final song. God bless you, church. We're here for you if you need us.